systemic factor. It's a cultural factor that has nothing to do with me. It has to do everything with the culture with which I've grown up in. And so that is not, doesn't have anything to do with me. But what does have to do with me is my awareness of that thought. So if I can see that thought, notice it, feel the, oh, this isn't aligned with my values, and then say, how's your day? Then I'm acting aligned with my values. If I then don't catch it and ask the question, where are you from, there could be an impact on that person that I didn't intend, but if I wasn't aware it just happens. And this happens over and over and over and over and over again. And, um, you know, as the, if you're of the female gender, you know. I mean, things happen over and over and over again all day long. If you're um, a person of African-American descent, you know. I mean, it's just like these things happen over and over and over again all the time. And so this is a core principle of when someone from a position that is not, does not hold privilege, starts to tell you their experience to not state your intention, but to really, okay, what's the impact? Because you're learning about what it's like to be um, in a position that doesn't hold systemic power. We hold personal power, let's be very clear, but we don't hold systemic power. My hope is that this... Um, that we don't get to this layer today. It's just a teaching, but that in our conversations, it's mostly silent. But I do want to just bring it up because something might happen that has impact on you and know that we value, we, we hear you, even though it's not necessarily the place to bring it up group in a group, but you are welcome to come and talk to me personally about it. If something's said that impacts you, I'd love to hear it. And Spirit Rock, we would love to hear it as well as its own organization. Okay, next one. Anyone that... Okay. Practice both and. When speaking, substitute and for but. This, pra- this practice acknowledges and honors multiple realities. So this is, a, this is very dharmic because you're going from separation to connection. Next one. Refrain from blaming or shaming self and others. Practice giving skillful feedback. This today mostly will probably come up in your own mind, blaming yourself, shaming yourself. So... Um, to the degree that we can renounce this and hopefully with the systemic lens, that's going to help to shed some of that as well. It's just not helpful. Next one. (laughs) I can do it too, yeah. Um, Reframe. Move up, move back. Move up, move back. Encourage full participation by all present. Take note of who is speaking and who is not. If you tend to speak often, consider moving back and vice versa. I spoke to this before. I think it's clear. Next one. And it can be someone else who spoke because there's a... Yeah. Will you go again? 
Yeah, you might just finish them off for us. Okay. Practice mindful listening. Try to avoid... I'm going to move closer. Try to avoid planning what you'll say as you listen to others. Be willing to be surprised, to learn something new. Listen with your whole self. I like to think of this as we only need 20% of our attention to be listening externally and 80% of our attention in our body and our breath. It doesn't take that much to receive what's happening. So maybe we could all just do that right now is to the degree that we're able just bring our attention into our feet and into our body and see if you can have the majority, like 80% of your attention in your own direct experience with only 20% on the invitation, my words. And this would just be the invitation all day today that we just keep resting back. And as we can stay in our own body and our own breath, then we're actually digesting what's happening versus just gaining more and more and more and more and more and more information or uh, stimuli, and it isn't getting digested. When we can be mostly in our own self, there's a natural digestive process that happens. Our core intelligence can really move. Okay, so please continue to stay in the mindful listening, and then if you could read on confidentiality as well. Confidentiality. Take home learnings, but don't identify anyone other than yourself, now or later. If you want to follow up with anyone regarding something they said in this session, ask first and respect their wishes. So, just the kind of more, uh, another way to say this is just, if we could have a, a group agreement that whatever is said here stays here. If someone says something that impacts you that you want to share, Um, please feel free to speak to your community, your friends, your close ones about what was said, but don't give any information that would potentially reveal who that person is. So that feels really clear, yeah? So we're just free to say what's really going on, what's motivating us to be here, what's unfolding in our practice, because I will do some direct work with people, and it can be really helpful if people share a little bit of content, and some of that content could be quite personal. And um, and the courage to do, it takes a lot of courage to do that, and it also could be really meaningful to be able to work directly with a teacher and have the support of a group. And sometimes happens when I teach. So um, the agreement to, towards confidentiality can increase the sense of feeling safe in order for the, all of our parts of ourselves to be here. Last one. Right to pass. You can say, I pass, if you don't wish to speak. The way this really applies to this is you do not ever have to speak here. You could come here and come in and out and never hold the mic and you com- don't feel any pressure. Having said that, if you're ever burning to speak, but you're a person that you usually doesn't, take the mic. <laughs> but if that isn't going to serve your life, like there's no pressure at all. Okay, are there any questions on those? Okay. Thank you.
So I know those take a little bit of time, but um, what I've seen in my own mind is that often I'll go, okay, we don't have time to do the multicultural agreements. And then something happens and I'm like, man, if we had done the multicultural agreements. <laughs> There's several people in the room that have been with me in those processes. So I appreciate, many of us know these, they're familiar. For me, I can never hear them enough, you know, because they are mindfulness reminders that stimulate insight. All right, so let's um, do a little guided inquiry around what motivates what motivated you to be here. So close your eyes if you're comfortable closing your eyes and the Dalai Lama says that it's the sincerity of our motivation that's our greatest protection. And especially if we're out in the world being bold, a lot can come at us. A lot of, um, both in the sense of mistakes that we make and um, the impact our mistakes have on others as well as ways that we're acting and and moving in the world that... um, have impacts on systems and the systems aren't happy and um, and it, it affects us. And so we need protection. And I think this is really powerful to think that our own sincerity, when we can come back to the purity and the sincerity of our own heart over and over again, we can be more bold, more powerful, more strong, more clear. And so just taking a moment to reflect on your own good heart and what motivated you to come to a, a day long on, on Dharma and systemic forces. What's motivating you to be here? And then asking a little deeper, like what's really, really motivating you to be here? It might be the same thing. Sometimes it might be, there might be something else that emerges, like what really, really motivated me to be here? And then knowing that you'll never have to share this, what really, 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 really motivated you to be here. And so there's the content. There might be some words or language. And... I want to invite you then to now look at the um, quality of your heart. What qualities, when you reflect on your motivation, what qualities do you experience in your heart and in your mind? And 
and there's no right or wrong here. It could be like, I don't know. There might be confusion. And just see if you can see through the mindfulness, that clarity, the distinction between the content and the quality. The quality of the heart may be open, warm, constricted, uh, cloudy, um, closed, compassionate. In a moment, I'll ring the bell and you can gradually open your eyes. So if we could get some microphone support again and if some people would be willing to share what motivated you or what were the qualities, either of those two. And raise your hand. Anyone, what motivated you to be here today? Yeah, Rachel. feel like where I was able to land in a deep way is my own experience of pain that comes both from personal and collective experiences of being oppressed and then also a lot of fear that comes up for me personally when I um, implicitly perpetuate as the oppressor. So wanting to keep the quality of open-heartedness, spaciousness, love in all of those places. Yeah. Mm. I really hear this part of you that's in touch with both like the perpetrator and the perpetrated. And how do you stay open knowing that systemic forces have placed you in both those roles? You know, and how do you how do you navigate that with an open heart? Yeah. Beautiful. Anyone else? Yeah. Um I noticed when you asked that question and when I dropped into my body, just my whole body opened to yes. That my body opens to this conversation. Um and I feel like all of the different kind of systems or modes of inquiry I've done, um, that the deconstructing or the dismantling is so relevant to this conversation that I actually don't even know how to have spiritual practice without the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the how to act, how to actually be in relationship um, and not just be internal spiritual bypass. Yeah.
Yeah, please. Okay, over there. Uh, my reasons for coming today were, uh, I've, I've, you know, more, more on the personal side rather than the great, the social. And um, I realized yesterday that today is the first day where I, I will be alive longer. Uh, my, my mother passed away uh, uh, 33 years ago, and today is the first day that I will be alive longer than, you know, w- without her. Wow. Without her. And um, I, I just share that because um, this is a very sacred place for me, mm. and um, I, I get here maybe once a quarter, and I just have listened to you um, online and always wanted to, uh, you know, enjoy one of your day-longs, and so it was like it all just lined up so perfectly. I just couldn't wait to be here, so thank you. I just, I feel so happy that this is a sacred place for you, you know, <laughs> and and the question that comes up for me is, I get curious around what are the systemic forces that both you and your mom carried, and mm. in what can be revealed and released today. Wonderful. For both of you. Thank you. Yeah. It's nice, I know it's like we're all new and we don't know each other and who really wants to talk, but it actually like helps to hear people's motivation. It's not just all these like faces that we don't know. So I appreciate everyone being willing to be in a little bit of the like, together right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess what comes up for me is um, I've been in my community uh involved in a, a racism situation that harms children and it's um from the moment i learned of it it just grabbed me deeply so it's been a few years now that um i've just wanted to be involved and help as I can and it's also been a process of really learning about my own part in all of this and it's painful and even and I'm still learning like you you helped me today just that I was in a lift yesterday and I wanted to say where are you from out of just curiosity but I something said don't do that just talk you know but thank you for helping me get Clarity on that, yeah. You know, it's a constant process of learning. And um, anyway, I uh, there's part of me that says, "Who are you? You couldn't be whiter." <laughs> and um, and anyway, I'm not going down the shame thing, but I just want to do everything I can to just stay here and learn what I can learn and speak what I can speak and. I want to be of help. When you asked, why, why are you really here? I want help. Yeah. And there was one more thing I was going to say. Oh, and I have been speaking out, and in my situation I'm involved with, there's um, things that make me tremendously angry. 
And the anger can just, just eat me up. And I know that's not the way to go. And um, it was here with another teacher recently who said, you know, in the face of injustice, we need to be fierce and forceful and not tip into hatred. And I just felt like those, I've been hanging on to those words. It's what I want to, it's that place I want to find. And so I thought I could really use a day at Spirit Rock today. And then I thought it was you and this topic. And I'm just so happy to be here. It's good to see you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Anyone else? Let, I'll share. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> For me, it was actually an image that came up, and it was this idea of, um, um, I grew up in Virginia where there's like lots of like brambles and growth in, in, in the woods where I grew up, and, and that feeling of like getting stuck in all the brambles, like pulling your clothes and like not being able to pull them out. And I feel like this sense of looking at all these unconscious ways I am a perpetrator, um, it feels like that. Like I feel very much I'm in the stage where it's like I can just feel everything getting ripped, but I don't quite know how to like do all the untangling. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm grateful to be here and to be in circle with everyone today. Thanks, Aaron. Lindsay, do you want to share too? Yeah, go ahead. Last one. Yeah, I'm really grateful to be here and learning better ways how to hold space and have difficult conversations. And um, I really love these agreements. I had a conflict last night that was relational um, with a guy and this particular understand the difference between intent and impact and like how we can hold space for how we can hold space without getting defensive and just hold space for somebody else's reality. Um, and then not inflict more um, violence if we feel misunderstood. Um, so like that calling people in versus calling people out, like all of that with all of these topics. Um, and it feels very vulnerable to share that. It was like like at 12.30 p.m. last night. Like, <laughs> and so today I'm just practicing with that coming up and then like being here in this conversation and just wanting to try and use it as a way um, in and through for some more harmony in this world. Mm. I love that a conflict came on the threshold of your day long. Sometimes when we, we talk about like when you go into a monastery in Asia often there's like big lions you know and they're protectors but they can also be obstacles that present themselves as you walk into the sacred and that's the image that comes to mind to me sometimes when we're on the when we we're, when we're intending to go into the sacred the thing arises that we need to look at or that we're invited to look at in the process so you're with your lion <laughs> Yeah, may the heart soften and may insight arise. Yeah, last one. Um, I needed to be here. 
that's what uh, compelled me to come um, as a long standing practitioner, especially here at Spirit Rock. Um, and I'm also a dowser. And I have this multicultural immigrant, lesbian. Uh, <laughs> You're like hitting all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Woman. You didn't even go woman, girl. I mean, you're like... (laughs) Um, And I've, um, through my practices and my training as a dowser, I have um, dug deep deep into the roots of who I really am. Mm. And I find myself that when I'm in there, of course, there's no differences. Everything is included. And at the same time, uh, I actually didn't know the subject of today. My spouse here, she said, we're going to go to Spirit Rock. and said, okay, let me douse it. Yes, we're going. <laughs> so um, it's really, it just fits in into the systemic aspect of it because I've been working a lot with ancestral energies. Mm-hmm. With especially on the maternal side, yeah. how um, the submissive, the self-abuse, the sacrificing yeah. of how us women, especially being from Peru and a Catholic, that is something that is so kind of integrated into my system, but yet out, and I'm working with it, and so I'm playing with that, and I said, oh, I need a break. Go to Spare Rock and hear you talk. No break. <laughs> this is your doorway. This is my whole point. This is the doorway. And with all your training in it, because you, I know, I mean, we've sat long retreat together. Like, I know the depth of how deep you know who you are in an essential way. And so the power of being able to sit in that essence and then rest back and let the impact of all those other forces, like, you know, like your center gets, your hara, you get so strong. And then the clarity starts to come. Mm-hmm. So I see you on that path. It's fun. You feel different. You feel energetically different. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, I remember that interview with you a couple of years ago. Feels Everything feels different. Things have shifted. Um... All right, so let's take a silent break. Um, And the invitation is to use the bathroom to get a little water. We'll come back in 10 minutes. Um, If you don't need to use the bathroom, I invite you to go outside. Move the body a little bit because we will come back and do a 30-minute sitting period. So move the body, but um, open the eyes out to the beauty. Feel the sun. Lay down. Like We have those, uh, I think it's like that out there, the same way it is up the hall where... There's like benches where you can lay, like flat. So lay down, like like uh, let this place be like nourishing. Whatever would be nourishing for you over the next ten minutes, and then um, can someone ring a bell in like five minutes so we all know to come back in? You got the bell. Awesome. Thank you. Is it? Uh, there's a big bell. It's kind of cool with like the you know yeah. But what's your? Is it Eric? Ernie, okay, Ernie, thank you. Okay, great. 
All right, see you all at 11.
someone just asked if it was okay to get bolsters and um, part of I think this uh, systemic forces of our culture we've all been trained to be really good students to sit up straight to um, kind of endure physical pain for the sake of the whole I don't know how that's supporting the whole but somehow that's the view so really encourage you to make yourself comfortable here um there are some traditions where like feet towards the altar isn't respectful i personally don't hold that view um so that's fine for me if you have your feet towards the altar um and yeah so just when we go into the sitting practice is good if you can stay still is not like still like you're not moving, but like not get up and leave or go get a bolster during a sitting practice. But before or after, as you realize there's different things that the bolsters could be supporting you with, please use them. If it's your first time practicing, I don't recommend lying down to begin with um, in this context. If you came with me in other contexts, we'd start off first thing lying down. But today... uh, Staying upright is going to lead to more clarity, and we're also going to be really going from like seated to outside, seated to outside, seated to outside. So, the um, the process of going outside in motion can help with the clarity as well. And but if you are familiar with the practice or have any kind of pain, or it's going to support you to lie down, lay down, no problem. And if you start snoring, I don't care; it's fine with me. It's just another sound. And I don't hold that. That isn't a distraction for me. There's no such thing as a distraction in meditation. There's only what's arising and how we meet it. Okay, so this morning we'll be focusing on set collecting and settling the mind. Then we'll take a silent break um, with some Uh, outdoor activities or outdoor practices I should say and then we'll come back in we'll probably do a little bit of motion or something maybe something outdoors together and then we'll um, go into more of some um, inquiry practices that are going to help to hopefully uh, shed insight on the topic of uh, what brings happiness and freedom interpersonally, personally, and systemically. The whole point of this morning now is there's been a lot of words, some things might have been stimulated, is now we're just settling. We're going to pick an object and we're going to keep just bringing the attention back to this object over and over and over again. Not as an act of avoidance, as an act of skillful means, recognizing that when the mind is still and collected, there's more capacity to meet reality. So we're collecting and unifying from a point of view of wisdom. The wisdom is when we're more collected and unified, we can meet what's arising. When we're more like scattered, you know, when we're more scattered, we're more likely to just act from habitual mind. Um, So we're collecting and unifying in order to have more clarity. And a way that, there's many ways to collect and unify. So 
being with breath or being with sound or being with body like I'll teach is not the only way to collect and unify. Many of you might have practices where you looked at candles or you um, practice yoga or you dance or you um, uh, draw or you, um, I don't know, there's all sorts of ways to collect and unify your mind. Do math problems. Um, uh, so all of those ways are valid ways. This is just the way that I'm teaching you today as I've been taught in the tradition, some of the traditions we hold here. So we're collecting and unifying the mind and the primary means that I'll be teaching with that is finding one object and just continuing to bring the attention very gently over and over back to the object. It, it would be completely... Um, uh, be completely irrational to think that you've just come from a life in the city or a complex full-time job or a family life and that you'd arrive to Spirit Rock and your mind would just settle into a calm, clear, relaxed lake for six hours. That is not the way that the mind works when we're collecting and unifying the mind, there might be a moment of a settling with that kind of peace and ease. But often what the process is, is we're just training the mind to come back or to remember over and over again that there is a body and that there is a breath and that there are thoughts that are happening right now that we can be aware of versus just kind of spinning out in really... um, when we say identified, or I like the word fixated, or fixated on them. So we're, through the practice, we're practicing this capacity to see, like just like in my example, where are you from? I had the capacity to see that so I don't do something habitual. So we're, we're, we're cultivating this capacity to have space between the part of us that can observe, the part of us that knows, our deep core intelligence, and the part that is just in motion. There's a part that's just in motion. And for many of us, that will mean that we may remember in the course of this meditation three times. And that is not our business. It's not our business to evaluate that. Our business is the intention to have that capacity to see so we can create less harm and more good in the world. And it's pretty clear from what a good portion of you shared, your intention is that. So that's that's where we can rest. We rest in our intention. And then where the mind is at in any moment is it's just not our business. It's ours to receive, it's ours to know, it's ours to open to. So um, let's, with that, invite you to close your eyes I can sometimes, my voice can get really low, especially because I just got out of retreat. So if my voice gets low, like raise your hand or even say, could you speak? Like if I, my eyes are closed, just say, could you speak up? Everyone's going to be fine. No one's in some deep meditative state that you're going to pull them out of. <laughs> so if you can't hear me, hearing me is, is a value that we all share. It's an accessibility issue. It's a, multi, it's a cultural issue. It's a 
um, diversity issue <laughs> in, can be. So we all share that value, and so please speak up. Um, and I apologize in advance if that happens. So close your eyes, and um, again, check in with your motivation. What motivated you to be here? And then attuning with, inquiring what are the qualities of your heart and mind when you reflect on motivation. Is the heart open right now? Is it closed? And again, we're not evaluating that. We're just knowing it. It's very powerful in in an interpersonal relationship when we could say, you know, my heart's closed right now and I can't actually dialogue with you. If we just did that instead of keep dialoguing when our heart was closed, we'd cause so much less pain. So just the capacity to know, open, closed, available, not available, is deep insight. And then this word was used earlier today, which I really appreciate this word, sacred. So many people from around the world right now, Passover, Christian religions, are celebrating resurrection, new life, rebirth. And while there's been a lot of pain associated with all religions, there's also a lot of beauty. So the degree that we're able, if we can connect in with the purity of the hearts of those that are in celebration around the world this weekend, not avoiding or denying the reality of the pain, but also not letting that obscure the beauty as well. Holding both. And then consciously moving from that systemic or broader lens of religion to your own body and breath. You, right here, right now. And invite the breath to deepen. Inhaling the belly wide open. And then exhaling, inviting the whole body to sink and relax and release any excess tension into the earth.
Inhaling, deep breath in. And then exhaling, inviting the body to release and let go of anything extra that it's holding. You can open your mouth and like let the jaw relax as you exhale. Yeah, you can let the body shake a little bit, right? Like when you relax, when you uh, release, let the body move a little bit. Yeah, I like this. Some tension in shoulders, some jaws opening, like really just letting intuitively what do you need to do to just release a little physically with your exhalations. And with the inhales, breathing in that nice, fresh, new oxygen that's been gifted to you by the trees and the grasses and the... Life. And so you want the body to be experiencing some kind of like a sense of softness and openness. So if you feel rigid in the body, kind of an, like, oh, I'm rigid, I'm trying to be still. It's a stillness that comes from softness. It's not like a, a still that's trying to be still like in school. It's like you're soft and, the, and there might even be like a little motion in the spine or you can kind of feel your cells breathing. So you're opening the cells to the experience of breath. Breathing in with this, breathing the cells, the cells breathe in the oxygen and exhale, the cells breathe out and just slowly, really continuing to release with the exhalations. And then with this intention towards relaxed, this relaxation, bring the attention to this capacity of knowing, this mindfulness or this knowing quality, that which knows. The capacity of mind to know experience. So knowing is like this. And then likely it's pretty subtle, so you might just immediately lose it or lose it pretty quickly. And keep tuning in. It's almost like an intuitive resonance with this capacity to know. this self-reflective capacity to know. This makes you human. Part of what makes you human. It's a miracle. A moment-to-moment emerging miracle. So you could stay with just mindfulness of knowing. Just keep knowing, knowing. Keep opening and surrendering, relaxing into 
the knowing of your capacity to know. Or you could know an object and focus on the object. Knowing, knowing an object. So you know the breath. You're aware of the breath. You're mindful of the breath. You're receiving the breath. The same way you receive my voice for the next several minutes is receiving body, receiving breath, receiving sound with this intention to just let the mind settle. Don't pick anything up. And when you recognize you pick something up, ah, not now. Knowing breath, knowing body, knowing sound.
Where is the mind now? Notice if there's a habit towards judging or thinking it's wrong. Your mind is not wrong. Your experience is not wrong. Your body is not wrong. That's cultivating this awareness that knows what's arising as it's arising. Tension is like this. Restlessness is like this. Confusion is like this. Joy is like this. Cultivating this capacity to know what's arising as it arises. Not cultivating experience. Experience is largely out of our control. Capacity to know we can cultivate. Or more accurately, we can remember, settle back into, embody.
With the last few minutes, I invite you to place your hand on any part of the body where you're experiencing emotional or physical tension. Now, please keep your eyes closed, but it's there's a pretty universal expression right now with most people in the room having somewhere to go. And this is an insight, brings us like inclining our mind towards the insight that being in a body means that there's um, pain. And what that pain is an invitation towards is compassion, tenderness, gentleness, care, that then can be a doorway to compassion, tenderness, gentleness, care towards others and our world. So by practicing compassion and gentleness for yourself for these last few moments, I invite you to hold the view that this is a doorway, not a bypass, not selfish, not, oh, why you and not someone else who needs it more, that actually you, sitting here right now, have been born into a particular amount of pain. And yes, it's disproportionate. There are people in the world that experience more pain than you, and that's true, and that's important. But it is not a justification to not show compassion towards your pain. It is more reason to show compassion towards your pain so you can use your privilege in your life to serve others from a place of resource, well-being, wisdom, care, non-reactivity compassion so in that spirit really inviting this gentleness of mind darling oh this hurts honey I'm sorry ouch 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 really connecting in with whatever measure of pain you're experiencing right now. And it helps to use language, um, an internal kind voice. I'm sorry. It's okay. I've got you. Oh, honey. I care for your pain. I care for your suffering. I hear you. Thank you. And see if there's any tendency to fix, to problem solve, to blame, to judge. Allow those to be in the background and keep coming back to, to the degree that you're able, just the direct experience of the hand on the body. And a gentle word like, I care, or it's okay, or I hear you. Keep making contact with the direct experience of pressure, motion, heat, tingling. 
Great. And in a moment I'll ring the bell. And as I ring the bell, you're invited to gently open your eyes. Unless you want to keep practicing in stillness and then don't open your eyes. Thank you. A practice that we do here is um, we place our hands over our hearts. You're welcome to do this and you're welcome not to do this. It's not required. I like to let people know what the things we are doing, not just assume that everyone knows what they are or what they mean. or um, yeah, And you just know you have choice. So we place our hands over our heart and you, you keep like a little... Um, opening in the hands actually and that's symbolizing what's called bodhicitta which is like the warmth at the center of the heart the like warmth tenderness juiciness at the center of the heart um that wants to act towards the benefit of other beings and then you're just bowing in humility like and then also of a sense of like bowing towards the other people in the room of their beauty and their warmth and their tenderness um so if you want to do that, you're welcome to do it. And if you don't, it's fine. So uh, now we'll go into the walking practice. And the walking practice is really a very simple practice. Again, all about collecting and settling the mind. You pick a space about like uh, 15, 20 steps. Outside or inside, I invite you to go be with the turkeys <laughs> and you just walk very slowly back and forth or you could just stand and notice the beauty of the turkeys or notice the beauty of nature what I wouldn't want you to do is like go get a cup of tea hang out run to your car check your phone journal as I want I, what I want this time to be is a time of settling and collecting your mind. So if you like decide actually you want a cup of tea, then drink the cup of tea. Like go sit somewhere and just drink the cup of tea. But like actually drink your tea. You know, like feel the cup, drink the tea if you really don't want to do the walking. But if you're willing to do the walking, I would really invite you to just do a simple practice of walking back and forth outdoors. Any moment you notice beauty, pause, look up, take in the beauty, feel the sun, look at the turkeys, or sometimes maybe a mind state will arise, like a beautiful mind state. Same thing, like you can stop the walking and just take in the mind state. So we don't want to bypass beauty because we're practicing meditation. (laughs) That would be ironic. (laughs) And you're missing the point. You want to take in the beauty. Same thing if something painful arises, you might want to pause, put your hand on your heart, do some of the honey practice, and then when it subsides, then keep walking back and forth. So use your wisdom. But the idea is that after our you know, our lives are so da 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 everywhere and right now we're keeping it simple so that things can settle. And we'll come back in ten after, so if someone could ring the bell at five after. So we have a good, great, you got it.
Thank you, Ernie. So we have a good 30 minutes out there. Um, if you aren't close to the bell, then you need to bring a watch and make sure you're back at 10 after. If you are close to the bell, leave your watch and just be on bell time. It's nice to not be tracking time for yourself. Okay, enjoy. <laughs>
I just had a little interesting insight that just happened two seconds ago I want to share with you. As people walk in, I, uh, my mind was just thinking, just, it's just thinking, it's like racing, thinking, you know, whatever, and I'm going to see a colleague after this day long, many of you know Susie, she's up the hill teaching, um, and she sent me some information that I haven't had time to, uh, put in my calendar. So I was thinking, I'm going to tell her I haven't had time to put that in my calendar. This is what I'm thinking. But because I have been practicing, I caught that thought. And I was like, and then the mind, I didn't try. Then the mind just said, you could actually, after you lead this guided meditation, check your text message, get those dates, put them in your calendar, and then you don't have to give her the message that you don't have time for her. You know, it was like really clear, like, oh, that pattern of I'm too busy and telling everyone how I'm too busy and na-na-na-na, which is like one of the ways that I, my system operates and one of the ways that the systemic oppression operates, right? We don't have time. But I've just spent three months with time. Like I was in a flow of having time. So my system is really, it doesn't really believe I don't. That view is not that solid right now that I don't have time. But the habit energy from 42 years is strong, right? But then the practice energy is strong because I'm in this transition I just got out a few weeks ago. So do you see how right there, like it's small, but it's actually going to have an impact on my friendship with someone I deeply care about. And I wasn't trying. It wasn't like I was trying to have insight. I was just sitting here feeling my body, the mind's going. I'm not totally concentrated. The mind's going. I'm waiting till it's settled enough to start teaching. And then an insight came. Is that familiar to many of you, how that happens, that process? Yeah. So when we say insight meditation, sometimes it can feel like, oh, this process that you need to learn No, it's a process that you're very familiar with. It's just through practice, it can happen more often. We've all had insight. You wouldn't be in this room. If you actually haven't had some pretty profound insight, you wouldn't be here. The practice is basically putting us in the conditions to have more insight more of the time. Alchemizing an alchemization. All right, so I thought, let's just do a short, um, I won't even evaluate it, let's do about 10, 15 minutes of settling. Again, seated, before we'll go out for lunch, and we'll do lunch in silence, just so everyone knows. (laughs) I'll lead you in a way that if you need, if you're with a friend and you want to connect, of course, but we'll do in a way that feels good for the whole, hopefully. All right, so settling, bringing the attention into the body. You don't need to like quickly close your eyes, let there be ease in the transition. 
And maybe this time, let's do a little movement together before we settle. So we'll consciously (laughs) maybe create some more ease. How many people experience some uh, body tension? You notice some tension in your body during the meditation. Yeah. Yeah, so we have an actually quite amazing yoga instructor in the room right now, which is (laughs) like, (laughs) that's off duty, but... (laughs) Um, Yeah. Old friends. So just... Twisting the spine, moving the shoulders, and then intuitively, and it could be, yeah, really subtle, like just very subtle movements or more gross movements. I really like to take my shoulders and draw my shoulders in, like curl my shoulders in, that makes the spine concave, and then open the shoulders convex. And that, like halfway through a sit, doing this a few times can really help too open the body and it's quiet right you can do this and no one's going to notice yeah now I wouldn't recommend doing this for the entire set if you were going to do this for the entire set why not go do yoga you know like don't create the tension of I should be sitting but I'm moving like just go move um but halfway through or three quarters of the way through or a few times in a practice, if you notice there's tension to do some kind of skillful means to open the body and then come back into stillness can be very helpful. At this stage, my body is just used to it, so it, it knows how to alchemize and there's a deep trust that the tension will alchemize. So there's a way I can settle even if there's a lot of tension, often, not always, and there's an alchemization that my system just knows from years of doing it. And many of you are in the, the a phase of getting, your body isn't like used to it yet. So it would get used to it over time if it does it more and more. All right, so then just gently closing the eyes, doing the motivation practice this time, just simply like connecting in with the quality and the content of your motivation. And setting the intention for all parts of you and all parts of everyone here to be welcomed. deep, full inhalations and exhalations that are softening and opening the body, opening you to this room full of oxygen, oxygen in through the feet, the calves, the legs, the hips, the torso, the neck, the head the whole body receiving, opening to the immediacy of life.
And this time let's practice with sound. So first, opening your attention to this quality that knows, this capacity to know. Knowing is like this. Being aware is like this. Sensing into, intuiting into this capacity to know. And then sense into the space in the room. Feel into the space in front of you. The space behind you. The space to either side of you above and below you. This no space, knowing space. Oftentimes we're so, we limit our range of knowing. We're inviting the knowing to expand, to include space. And then within that expansion, awareness of space, you can include awareness of sound. You'll notice the mind contracts again. And then the invitation is when you notice that to gently incline the mind towards knowing, towards space, towards sound. Inviting a broader awareness. Inviting more data. More dimensionality.
the invitation for the last few moments to place your hand over a heart or body part and just offer yourself care, keeping the awareness wide and open. And then opening up the tenderness to someone in your life or a group of people who could use some tenderness, care, imagining them in the center of the circle. And just radiating care, tenderness, compassion towards them. And then connecting into your own area of tension or your own heart, feeling your own body, and then the attention going towards the center of the circle, towards that who you're sending it to. And then back to yourself. And then back to the center. And then back to yourself. And then back to the center. And just resting in the in-between. There's a Rumi quote about, like, there's a field somewhere out beyond right and wrong. I'll meet you there. 
I think what's coming to me is like there's a field out beyond you and me. I'll meet you there. Okay, so I know this is really hard to believe, but you actually don't need to try to have any experience or work any problem out while you're here. <laughs> there's a like there's a natural intelligence in your own heart and mind, and the more that you actually enjoy the turkeys and take in the sun and relax back into the ground if you lay down the more that what needs to arise what needs to what wants to be seen what most wants to be seen will be seen you don't have to go for anything or try to figure anything out it doesn't mean that at certain times it isn't skillful to do that it's just not what we're i'm teaching right now i'll actually will teach that this afternoon of picking one thing and delving into it. But right now what we're doing is we're settling so that the natural intelligence can bring that which most wants to be known to the surface. Which could be something that's difficult. It also could be something that's beautiful. You know, it, it doesn't, it's like in probably both <laughs> in everything in between. So, so to the degree that you're able to... Um, to the degree that you're able to really just not now, the not now practice. See something? Not now. See something? Not now. I could journal on that? Mm. Not now. Just for now. Um, and we'll have an hour and 15 minutes for lunch. Um, and during that time, I'm going to invite you to be in silence because that is gonna that will help the settling of the mind. If you're here with a close friend, it's really like sacred time to spend time with them. By all means, go for a walk and talk with them. Stay eighty percent in your body, twenty percent in the conversation. Take pauses. Maybe only talk for fifteen minutes instead of the whole break, or you know. But use your own wisdom of what you your life needs, what your relationships need tending to. Um, so the invitation is to be in silence unless there's a deeper wisdom for you. Then to spend some time actually like chewing your food, enjoying it, taking pauses between bites, you know. We'll be it'll be very lucky if I'm able to do that, honestly. Like that one's really hard for me. <laughs> so I feel a little hypocritical saying that, but I feel better outing myself. Um and then, uh, and then I would like you 
to spend some time, minimum of 20 minutes, picking some place in nature where you just hang out and observe. So the same way you're hanging out and observing your breath or sound or body, I'd like you to just go somewhere in nature, like, you know, like a little area, and just hang out there and see what you see for 20 minutes and just keep settling back and just keep noticing what reveals itself to you. Noticing externally, you know, oh, the rocks or the sticks or the turkey or the sun. And then also what starts to arise in your own mind. There might be associations, images, connections. Um, And after that process, you have the choice if you want to just spend five minutes doing a very short writing, not anything more than five, just like what what I noticed was. And then write for five minutes what I noticed was. It's not necessary. But if, you, if that resonates for you, go ahead and write for five minutes afterwards and you have the time. Um, and then I hope when there, there's a little bit of time for reverie, just doing nothing, you know, with hour and 15 minutes. Because if you're eating in silence, food goes faster when there's no one to chat with. Um, all right, so we'll be back here then at, let's say... Um, five, two, two. That makes sense. Yeah, five to two. So if you could ring the bell at a quarter to two, that gives us ten minutes to come in, settle, you know, all of that. Um, yeah. Great. And I've, just to say, I've consciously not offered time for questions, but I will in the afternoon. And if you do have a particular question, I, ask, I invite you right now to spend some time before you go to lunch to just write the question down and then let the question go and see if some insight around the question arises over the next hour in 15 minutes or so. So it's, it's often very helpful to articulate our questions in a clear way so that our psyche is working on it, but it's not like trying to figure it out. It's like in the back, it, it'll work on it in the background. Kind of like, you know, I'm in a big inquiry around time right now. What is time? Having had so much spacious time, and now I was teaching yesterday, I'm teaching today. I saw clients Thursday and Friday. It was like, whoa, I just went back into time <laughs> after being in the timeless. <laughs> So I'm in a big inquiry right now about time and insights revealing itself. So, enjoy. Namaste.
So the conditions of this moment are you're digesting food and it's the time of day when most humans have the least amount of energy. (laughs) So since we had a little bit more time to be outside and in nature, I thought we won't do any movement practice together. What I'll do is I'll uh, share a little bit of teachings, um, have time for a little bit of question and answer, and then go back outside. And I think that's going to help keep the energy strong. And then we'll come back in and do the inquiry practice when the mind is fresh from being outside. How does that sound? Good. So we'll just do a short, probably, period of walking. Not long, because I want to have most of this afternoon be... um, yeah, sort of applying some of these some of these principles to your life. First, uh, does anyone want to comment on what it was like to <clears throat> spend time in silence over lunch, or go out into nature, or uh, eat mindfully? Anything that you observed during your lunch that feels like it would be useful to share, or? Um, either for yourself, like useful for yourself, or something that you recognize that that feels like it would be interesting for all of us to know. Yeah, Corey. You said something this morning that really landed with me. Uh, you cannot cultivate experience. Mm-hmm. And this is my dukkha. <clears throat> so much I saw it throughout my lunch and how I'm always trying to cultivate this perfect experience and even trying to find the perfect place to have my 20-minute meditation and see all the perfect things, which it's all perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just laid down on the grass and napped. Mm. Because I think if I can let go of that, yeah. 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 When you feel into the energetic of that, looking for the perfect, what do you notice in the body? Like, what is the felt sense of that? Oh, it gets wound up tighter and tighter and tighter. And there's always a set. I mean, the result is disappointment. Always disappointment. Yeah. Because I cannot, I'm trying to do the impossible. Right. So you notice some tightness in the body, tightness in the mind, and then the secondary emotion or secondary experience is some kind of disappointment. Yeah, and then what about the awareness that knows? What do you, what's the quality of the awareness that's aware of that? That's freedom. Yeah. Yeah. And what does the freedom feel like? What do you notice when you tap into that part that knows or is aware, the mindfulness? It's twofold that there's a lot of ease, but tears come to my eyes, mm-hmm. too. So there, I think there's some letting go there. Yeah. It's like you're touched. Mm-hmm. You feel touched. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of what I was speaking to of the way when we're really paying attention, there's like both the beauty and the tinge or something, you know? Yeah. Great. So my encouragement to you is to keep, you notice the, the pattern and keep turning towards the mindfulness. Right? Like keep just turning towards the experience of the mindfulness or the knowing itself. 
Ja. Ja. Anyone else? I'm curious if anyone had a difficult experience in nature or didn't want to go to nature or someone like, did anyone have that experience? Like when I said nature, you're like, no, or... You don't have to share, but that's welcome. But I couldn't spend too much time there. For me, it was um, emotional. Mm -hmm. Very emotional. It was emotional to be in nature? Or what was was, it? It was because I had room for thoughts to come up. And I seldom let myself go there. So um, the thoughts thoughts came up and tears came. (laughs) Yeah. And then I talked to myself. It's okay. Soothing. You soothed. Felt good. Yeah. So it sounds like for you, there was some, when you were in nature, there was an experience of spaciousness that allowed... Grounding. Grounding Mm -hmm. that allowed some things to emerge. Yeah. And then there was also some wisdom, we imagine, let's assume, that it's wisdom that said, I can can be with this much of that, Mm -hmm. but I don't want to be with too much of that. Yeah. Yeah, so there was like, we call titration in the psychology word. It's like you titrated yourself. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that would be, if other people experience that recommendation to you, is that I would recommend doing that once a day. Giving yourself some time in nature just to allow your animal to be. Yeah, great, thank you. I kept finding myself coming back to the phrases of in the world and of the world. Mm. And that when I'm in nature, I feel much more of the world. Ah. Part of the world. Ah. As when I'm in the city, it's like I'm in it. Which is, I like being of the world better. Mm. I like feeling like I'm a much bigger participant in the world not just the people world did you get that did that phrase come through you yes i love that's such i can i want to can may i use that (laughs) i love that of the world i'm of the world that that my soma resonates i get that that really resonates for me that came through you today it's come to I, I must have read it somewhere. Okay. And I don't think I completely made that up. Okay. But yeah, it was that was very much my experience both of the times being outside. Oh. It was just like this is such a different experience. Yeah. And what that speaks to is that when you have wise view, like wise thought, it can drop you into wise understanding, wise embodiment. Yeah. Right? So that's a sh- way of shifting your view shifting your perception and you can see how that skillful thought like oftentimes meditators we don't think we should think it's fine to think i was thinking and had that insight around time you're using thought to shift view right there's skillful thought and unskillful thought we're cultivating the discernment in that beautiful thanks
Okay, so um, let's go through some of the core teachings. Um, so there's uh, the core teaching that uh, that is a foundational teaching um, within all the schools of Buddhism is something called the Four Noble Truths. And this is where the Dhamma is pointing us in the direction of being able to see reality moment to moment as it unfolds, or to see life as it unfolds in a moment to moment way. So it's not about belief, it's not about doctrine, it's about um, uh, the Dharma offers, offers us practices that help us still the mind so that we can analyze our moment to moment experience and see what's, what's happening. And so these Four Noble Truths are um, a way to orient your understanding or orient your mind to see, does this meet what you actually experience in a moment-to-moment way? So this is a shared, we're in a shared, I'm inviting us into a shared inquiry right now around, is this what it's like? So I'll teach them, and then I'll give you some time to go outside and just move around a bit and see what you see based on this view. So the first um, noble truth is the truth that pain exists. That being embodied, coming into this human life, means that there's inherent suffering that's part of it. Um, and I like to call it like the first noble truth of ouch. And that sometimes when things are really bad, that's just what I practice. Like ouch, ouch. That's my main mantra, my main little note. Just ouch, ouch, ouch. Because it helps me stay connected with the truth versus all the other things that my mind wants to do about the ouch. Blame me, blame another person, blame the world, react try to fix it, do all these other things, which in, at certain times, all those things are things that we need to do. We need to respond to life. In general, uh, what the human does is um, has the second noble truth. <laughs> like the second noble truth is an overdrive and it is eclipsing the immediate experience of the first noble truth. So I'll try to give you an example of this, but let me tell you what the second noble truth is first. So the second noble truth is that there's a path to more suffering. So inherently being human, there's pain. And that also being human, there's a way to increase the amount of pain that you experience. And then the third noble truth is that when you're human, freedom is also possible right? And there's a, there's a path to increase freedom. So kind of the mandala of humanness is pain and freedom and that we have the capacity to increase and decrease each of those based on what we choose in a moment-to-moment way. And the path to more um, pain is when we constrict, hold on, um, of like pull away, push on 
first noble truth or on any on any on life when we block the flow of life we suffer and more and when we can the 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 path to less suffering and eventually i'm told i don't know this from my direct experience but eventually i'm told and intuitively i believe the path to no suffering meaning no second noble truth, not no first noble truth. First noble truth is how it is. But the path to um, completely being out of the cycle of reactivity is the path of this capacity to release, to be open, to allow, to flow, to respond with wisdom. And wisdom of impermanence, the wisdom that things aren't personal, the wisdom that life is... Uh, both a combination of beauty and joy. Hold on for some reason. I thought I had it on mute. Now it is. Um, Beauty and joy. So, the particular path to freedom or the particular path to release or the particular path to letting go and I don't don't even like saying letting go but I like the word letting go. It's... Because it makes us think like, oh, I just need to let this go. I often hear spiritual people say, I just need to let this go. And they're, it's like their second noble truthing, letting go. Like, I should just let go. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't like try to make yourself let go. I had this, um, when I was on retreat, I got some news that was really, really hard for me. Like, extremely hard news. Um, and... The way that I described, so I, I, <laughs> I got the news at like 8.30 at night. I called a good friend afterwards and, you know, started talking to her. She was like, whoa, <laughs> your mind is not in a good space. She was just like, don't believe anything you're thinking. I'm like, I know. And, you know, and I just like, it was just the mind was so reactive because partially what happens when you're in retreat, when you're, is that both the awakening qualities increase, but also your reactivity increases. So whatever you focus on increases. So I got bad news. It was late at night. My mind was in all sorts of, creating all sorts of stories, misperceptions. It was just doing everything. I, I knew this. It wasn't that I it was like, oh, I'm wise right now. No, there was no part of me that thought I was wise. But I also couldn't stop it, right? So it was like going, 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 going. And basically, finally at 4.30 in the morning, my mind came up with a mantra that soothed me. So I got a couple hours of sleep like literally a couple hours of sleep. Then I just I went, woke up and went for a hike. I knew the day had come and it's light and if I moved my body, it would move energy. And thankfully, I couldn't get my mind, I knew my mind was out of control. It was, it was out of control. The mantra had helped to soothe me, but it wasn't bringing wisdom in a way that was stable. But what happened was that then I, I got a book out so like skillful means and I started reading a book and I was like okay this can help me and I just started mapping based on the like map of this book what was happening and that was skillful means it was like okay this is helping me come to more clarity so I was feeling the quality in my mind was more free and less reactive so it was like okay I'm on the path to less freedom right and then my girlfriend walked in the door because I called her and told her what happened and she lives 30 minutes away so she came 
And I immediately go into the story. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, Aaron, no one is going to believe you're a victim in this situation. It's just too funny. Stop it. And she went in and just like for 20 minutes just started like naming. I mean, she had been with me in this whole process. She just started naming what she saw. And at one point halfway through, I looked at her and I said, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. My life depends on it. (laughs) And she just kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. Wise view. So she came in with wise view, wise understanding, and my system could settle. I literally got my phone out and said, we need to record you. Because when you leave, I'm going to lose it. I'm not going to be able to keep this stable. My, my mind's too reactive. This is too hard. I'm not going to be able to. And I wasn't. She left, and within 30 minutes, my nervous system was dysregulated again, and my mind was spinning off in the other stories. I tell you this story because I've been doing this for 20 years, right? This was a really intense situation that what I described was every single part of my ego, like every single little traumatic thing that's ever happened to me, this situation pinged in some way. Like there was no ground for my ego to stand on. It was just obliterated, obliterated by this situation. And most of us know we went through one or two of those in our life where there's no ground to stand on. It's just dukkha. It's just, the situation was just painful. It was extremely painful situation for me and it hurt a lot. And so my practice was to surrender to the pain, to just letting the pain open me, to just acknowledging this was seriously, excuse me, effing hard. Like this was really hard. I really didn't want this situation in my life. I really didn't want my life to unfold this way. I really didn't want this thing to be happening. And it was. And it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. I literally spent two weeks laying on a beach, laying in my little window, just, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. The repetitive blame, the repetitive obsession, the repetitive, just, just, and just watching it go watching it go, watching it go, just letting it, letting it play itself out. So just because we have wisdom does not mean that reactivity, that the second noble truth doesn't arise in us. What it means is that we have greater clarity of what's unfolding. That when we're reactive, we can be like, I'm super reactive. So this person, it it was a relational situation, and I... I told the person, I can't talk with you right now because it's going to be too pain. I will react, and I don't want to react. I need a little bit of separation in order to go through what I'm going through. Right? So I I created a break so I wouldn't cause more harm. Um, But there there wasn't a part of me that thought what was happening was wisdom. You know, I could tell when wisdom would come, and it was fleeting. What was stronger was the reactivity in some way. I think it felt that way. I don't know that I don't know if the reactivity was actually stronger. I can say the reactivity was louder. I don't know if the reactivity was stronger, it was louder. So <clears throat> um, so one of the, the 
key thing here is the 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 truth of choice that we have a choice of we have the choice to um, we have the choice both to um, see from this lens and then we also have the choice of how we respond and then we have the choice of how we respond to how we responded. So there would be times, I mean, my mind would like make up these stories of how the thing it was going to do. And I, one of my patterns is like to seem like I'm nice, but really do something mean. Do you know what I, like, do you know what I'm saying? Or you can just say something a little bit mean, but it seems nice. It's like I had a few of those, like, oh, I know, I'll go. I'd imagine myself going into this situation and saying this one thing to some person and I knew it really hurt this other person and but it wouldn't look like it hurt them and you know and I'd be thinking I'm gonna do that for like a day and then I'd be like no you're, you're not gonna do that you know but I'd, I'd like have that plan and I'd be telling myself oh that's good you know that's a wise thing to do so it's not even like always I knew I wasn't wise but like in a deeper level I knew it wasn't wise does that mean you know when you're like kind of tricking yourself around wisdom just trying to describe like how subtle this all can be it's not like so cut and dry so the the main point in of all of this is that both we can we have the choice to see in this way and then we have the choice in how we respond and that as humans um we're not going to get through this life without pain and that the more that we think that we've done something wrong or that life should not be painful, the more suffering that we're creating for ourselves. So that's, the fir- that's really some of the wisdom of the first insight is that life is just painful. Like this situation happened. I can't, it can't not happen. The wisdom of the second noble truth is that, it's, and this is where when it, we think about systemic impression, the second noble truth that there are these, these systems, right? Internally, I described this system that wanted to contract around my experience, change my experience. But there's patriarchy, white supremacy, misogyny, um, homophobia, ableism. All these are systemic forms of the second noble truth. Systemic ways that we contract around reality that cause immense suffering, and then there's freedom, right? There's, there's like the way that there's other things that like it's not, this world is not only oppressive systemic forces. There's also liberative forces. There's also liberative systems. You know, there's also, you know, these great, the, what um, Joanna Macy calls the great turning, that we're, the, we're in the time of both the great unraveling and the great turning, that there's all sorts of consciousness movements and social activist movements and new economies and global responses that are creatively emerging right now as we speak spirit rock, the Dharma, you know, that we have access like right now to so much spiritual teaching. It hasn't been like this since I think uh, like 900, like during the Pala period, right? Like 900, like 900 between the ninth, ninth and twelfth centuries, yeah, that's how you know we haven't had this much access to this many spiritual lineages and teachings, and even now, probably more than then. Although it's hard to say, given 
you know, the, anyways, it's just this is very rare to have this much access to consciousness. So there's a lot happening systemically that's liberative, and there's also a lot having, happening systemically that's not liberative. So when we think of oppression, and I'm pretty sure, I've, I hope I've made this clear already, but let me just go through this slide. When we think about oppression and change, so oppression meaning second noble truth, change meaning um, fourth noble truth, right? Oppression meaning that which squelches down and change meaning that which liberates. Because one of the truths of um, reality is that we're constantly in flux, we're constantly in change. Everything's always in motion, everything's always in flow. You could say the four levels of oppression and flow, four levels of oppression and change. So the first level, like we talked about, is the personal. How these systemic forces, how flow affects us personally. The second is interpersonal, how it affects us relationally. And then the third is how it affects us culturally or institutionally. Does anyone have any questions about that? I feel like I've went over that so much already, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily clear. So, I don't think I'm going to teach on that right now. I'm going to go here. So, this is from Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, which is one of the clinical, um, I'm a licensed therapist, one of the clinical treatments that I was trained in. This is, this is uh, you probably know exactly what it is because you still teach it. I don't know exactly what it is, but this is paraphrased. It's like, what we have experienced in our past is not our fault, but it's our responsibility. And it would be the same as what we've experienced in our lives is not our fault, but it's our responsibility of how we respond to it and how we live with it and how we hold it. So the fact that I'm a woman and I live within patriarchy sucks. It just does. It totally sucks. The fact that I'm white and live within white supremacy, it also sucks. No one's served by whiteness. Whiteness doesn't help anyone. Um, it's a form of impression. oppression. Whiteness affects people of color more to a greater degree um, than white people, but it sucks for all of us. Patriarchy sucks for all of us. And we're all responsible for how we change that. No one's outside of that responsibility. Now, I would like if men would take more responsibility of patriarchy than women. I would like if white people took more responsibility of racism than people of color. It doesn't seem to unfold that way. It seems to unfold that the people that um, feel the impact have more motivation to change. What is interesting to me is a concept called intersectionality, which is that... Um, when we get in touch with the, our own ways of where we've been oppressed, we start to have compassion and motivation to use our positions where we have power to impact change where we don't have power. Does that make sense? So when I understood, when I know I grew up blue collar, I grew up woman as a woman. So there's especially growing up blue collar. And in the particular, I grew up in Detroit, so I have a, a very um, visceral sense. My father was a tool and die maker. There was a visceral sense that I was um, not as good as people that lived um, 45 minutes from me. 
I was different. I wasn't, I wasn't as clean. I wasn't as um, worthy. I wasn't as uh, smart. Um, there were all these kind of ways that I kind of just grew up knowing that the people where I was from weren't as something as these other people. And that's a visceral experience that I grew up with. And so because I've had that visceral experience, when I started to learn about other forms of oppression that I didn't uh, experience, like when I started to learn about racism or when I started to learn about ableism, there was a way that because I understood what it was like to be oppressed, I had a compassion in a and an insight that then had me be very motivated to learn, to get caught up, and to start to act on behalf of those, use my privilege as a white person to act on, um, in service of collective liberation. Does that make sense? So the more that we can understand these forces and how they impact us, in my mind, ideally, then we start to act on behalf of all. we're getting into like the bodhisattva ideal the idea that our life and our power and our position can be of service to all beings so what we've experienced in our past is not our fault but it is our responsibility and how we position ourselves how what place we put ourselves in the what our passion is or what our soul's purpose is or how we serve um we can think about strategically based on what systemic forces are happening right now in the world and what's needed based on that. Okay, so. That's a lot of information. I want to see, is there any questions or any comments or any thoughts and just remembering multicultural agreements Anything that's arising. Okay. I know I said we'd go and do a break. Do people feel like you need a break? It's been about a half hour of talking. Anyone need a break? I'm sort of drawn to do an inquiry. Do a guided practice. Okay, let's stand up and just shake out for a minute. <clears throat> People don't really fall asleep talking about these topics. It's not easy to fall asleep. What'd you say? Yeah, of course. Don't run. Just just walk gently and just come back and you'll be fine. All right, go ahead and have a seat. Okay, so what I'm going to invite you to do is I'm going to invite you 
to pick something that's emerged for you over the course of today or some area where you feel some kind of holding. Like I gave the example of getting this information that was quite painful. Now that was like on a scale from a 1 to 10, that was like a 15. (laughs) It might not be the best idea for you to pick the 15 today. And it might be. I'm open. You know, I'm like, do you want to pick the 15? I'm here till 4.30. Let's do it. But um, it can be actually pretty skillful to pick something that's not that extreme in order to be able to learn the process. That being said, if there's something that's really up for you and it's just cycling through your mind, you're here at Spirit Rock, it's a beautiful day, you can take a walk afterwards, you know, you don't need to like go and uh, do a bunch of stuff this evening, it's a good place to to open up to something that's more difficult. So use your own discernment, your own wisdom, and what what you choose. But I'm going to ask you to pick one thing, and we're going to go through what's called rain. So in the process of opening to life, what um, what often happens in meditation practice is that we think we're supposed to be still. We think we're supposed to be quiet. And meanwhile, there's like something that's wanting our attention and we just keep pushing it away and thinking it shouldn't be there. Actually, in meditation practice, we're stilling the mind, we're collecting the mind so that the whatever that is that's sticky can naturally release a little bit and ideally naturally release completely. So it's this process of almost like unwinding. It's a process of like a deep letting go. And it turns out stillness, being quiet, being in nature, being with other people who are also silent, being with other people who also are committed to non-harming helps that. (laughs) Um, So what I'm going to invite you to do is we're going to do this process called RAIN where after a day of a morning and uh, afternoon of settling will practice opening to something, consciously opening the heart and mind to it. Now, within the meditation practice, if you were practicing, say, and you collect and unify the mind, you collect and unify the mind, and something keeps coming up over and over again, this you would apply this practice to it. A practice of opening to the difficulty or opening to the beauty, either way. So, let me... All right, so, the first is recognizing that you're experiencing something. So, say I have this thought, uh, where where are they from in my mind? The first thing uh, racism wants to do is say, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. I didn't have that thought. It's actually really radical to recognize I just had a thought that does not flatter my sense of who I am. Right? Another thing, oftentimes, we don't feel comfortable with something like anger. People, I was, I'm a therapist, and people come into my office and they'll say, I'm not angry. I'm like, what are you pissed about? We're telling ourselves, I'm not angry, but really we are angry. 
right? So it's this first step of recognize, is, it sounds like, oh yeah, just recognize. No. This is the, the, one of the main forms that the second noble truth or tanha functions is that we're telling ourselves one thing is true when something else is actually true. We're telling ourselves this situation is actually manageable. We're saying, you know what? Living within capitalism is actually manageable. The premise of capitalism is that we can keep consuming and it's just going to keep working. The, the very premise of our economic system is not based in wisdom. It's not working. It never worked. It's never going to work. It's diluted. It's completely diluted. You can say it's social capitalism. You can say, uh, you, can, you can add all these fixits to it. The premise of it is not based in reality. Our, so we live in a world that is telling us things are wise that aren't wise. And it's like, it's the sea we swim in. We experience a deep knowing. The immediate thing that happens is, oh no, that isn't true. You walk into a room and you're like, that person is not, I shouldn't go near that person. Oh no, no, it's fine. You don't listen to it. You feel you have like an insight about what your soul's purpose is. No, I can't do that. Immediately invalidate it. That is the function. That is, that is the way these systems operate. So the recognition, like if you just spent a year recognizing, 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 from my view, the way that I see reality, that would be a very, 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 very strong political act. Because what does that mean? People are going to come and start to tell you what they know. Because you're someone who can be with what you know. You see what I'm saying? Like that, and that's the first step. Like the first step is we have to recognize both these external systems are not, are, not, are not going in the direction of freedom. And then we have to notice how these systems within ourselves are not going in the direction of freedom. And then we have to notice how these, the way that we relate, the way power, right? Okay, no, it's fine that in my corporation, this, the way, you know, how the corporation acts is power over not power with. No, that wasn't that bad. What that person just said to me wasn't that bad. No, it was. It was awful. It was cruel. That was cruel what just happened. Like feeling the impact of the cruelty. Working in one organization that I worked with, I remember being in a situation where uh, a colleague, there were two, there was a white um, manager and a a person of color manager. And this um, report was saying... I don't feel safe. I don't feel understood by the person. And it was a white um, person who was speaking the report. I don't feel safe and I don't feel understood by the person of color. And, but I do feel safe and I do feel understood by the white person. And I, because I've been trained in like um, oppression and racism, could clearly see that racism was functioning. And it, was very, it, wasn't, it wasn't a question, is this racism? It's just, no, this is racism. This person has internalized our cultural views and they're experiencing them and they're expressing them and they don't know that they're doing it. There, there's no, 
bad intention. They're just expressing cultural views and it's impacting all of us in a way that doesn't serve life. It was very clear to me. And so the next step is that I went to two people um, that it was being expressed by and talked with them and then met with the woman of color and she was like, no, I don't think, yeah, I mean, I had the thought maybe it was racism, but, and I was, no, that was racism. It was racism. This is how racism functions. And she just started crying. It's like, oh my gosh, thank you for seeing what it was. It was too painful for her to see it alone. Even though her system, she was walking me, she's like, oh, maybe that was racism. So she had the thought, but she couldn't, totally mean it on her own and having someone else who could validate it and then we could then we could work together to collaborate we're both committed to non-harming we both knew we were in service of this person we were in the position of power so how could we support this person in in their goals in a way that was going to create less impact and less harm over time right so recognizing the capacity to recognize it sounds small it's not it's radical the second then is once we recognize to allow. So in this example of my friend, when my friend had the recognition, oh, this could be racism, she wasn't able to allow. At that point, she said no. She invalidated it. So the next step is once we recognize something to say, okay, let me feel the impact. Now, it's important, this is a little bit tricky because allow, we want to allow particularly the first noble truth, we want to allow the pain, but we also want to allow with discernment, right? So if we allow and we're just like violent, you know, that's allowing with violence isn't wisdom. We're allowing and then like what I was saying, like I was allowing the pain, but at the same time I knew a lot of the thoughts that were happening as well were not wise and I kept delving in deeper. Okay, this is aggression. This is hurt. This is blame. This is, you know, so you keep allowing, keep letting the process unfold and keep trying to stay really, really close to the direct experience and use wisdom. And that's in the investigation, the third part to see what of this is like, like first normal truth. And one of this is second normal truth. What of, what of this is reactivity? Now, what I'd like to do with this investigate, so we allow and then we investigate is broaden it out in a systemic way. So we don't just ask the question like, what are, you know, what are my thoughts about myself or reality? We also ask, okay, what are some of the systemic forces at play? You know, the fact that I have chronic pain, could it have to do with the fact that I drink uh, the water in a blue collar area of Detroit that um, has one of the most polluted water systems uh, in the country? You know, I grew up 20 minutes from Flint. You think? There could be some cultural influences to the reason why I have chronic pain. That brings compassion. It also brings a little bit of fierceness, you know, like, you know, brings some energy to my life. Um, What are the interpersonal factors at play? You know, who, who holds power in this situation? Like in this situation that my friend and I were in, we, even though this, um, person was white and held power from a position of whiteness, her and I were in a leadership position. So, and we were going to work towards compassion towards this person, even though we were, of course, even, you know, even though we were seeing some um, 
internalized and externalized racism? What are cultural factors at play? So that we're widening our we're widening our inquiry out to see what are some of the forces that could be at play um, that are not just personal and not just interpersonal, but structural and cultural. And ideally, what this leads to is not blame in a sense of being disempowered, although it can initially, is that we feel more energy to work towards addressing the cultural and systemic factors. Okay. And then the fourth process is, or the fourth thing that really kind of happens, uh, can happen spontaneously, is that when we start to see things at play, we start to take them less personally. So when we start to really feel the ouch in our lives, there's almost like a, like what Corey talked about when she, like, oh, there's, when I touch the knowing, there's like a release, like a tenderness. That was a moment of non-identification. She stopped being identified with the wanting everything perfect. And there was a release, a softening. So sometimes it can happen like that where there's like a kind of more, was kind of a big release in a way. Like that was the primary experience. And other times, like in my example, there was just like a little bit less pain. Like when I could stay in touch with this hurts, instead of being 80% consumed by the pain, I was 78% consumed by the pain. You know, we weren't getting like a ton of traction, but we were getting a little bit of traction. And then over time, it was like, okay, it's 60%, it's 50%, it's 40%. You know, it was decreasing gradually over time, not quickly. So, but you want to be on the lookout for that because, um, because as things release, it's reinforcing. You know, I could see, okay, there's less pain. Keep going. There's less pain. Keep going. Or I didn't sleep last night and now there's more pain. So I need to, like, I would fold down my bed. I wouldn't sleep one night. And then I'd, like, fold down my bed, have my pajamas out, like, do all these things to make sure that I would get to bed that night and get a good night's sleep. Because if not, I knew I was going to have a whole other day of intense suffering. All right, so let's, um, I'm going to lead you through, unless anyone has any questions. I'd be shocked in this group if there's questions. <laughs> Shock me. Okay. All right, let's um, close your eyes. All right, so begin like we've always begun. So first, just checking in with your motivation. Good. And then this time what I'm going to invite you to do is imagine a circle of support around you. So imagine it could be a place that you're surrounded by a particular place that you love. It could be a group of people, like people who you have a fairly simple relationship with, like uncomplex relationship, but that love you. It could be animals. It could be children. 
could be adults, but imagine these people surrounding you. And then imagine that they start to radiate love towards you. So you're surrounded by this circle and love is just radiating in all directions towards you. And at any point in time, you can go back to this. So when we're in the process, if something opens up and it's like, okay, I need to titrate, I need to take a break, just come back to this circle of support radiating love towards you. And then invite this image to dissolve, but the feeling can stay, the image dissolves. And then I invite you to bring up a situation that you want to work with. And then when you have a situation, nod your head so I know you have something. Great. So if there's a few things that you have to choose from, just pick one. Just pick it. Good. All right, so this is the first step. You're recognizing that something is on your heart. You know, and this gets just, it's like something's on your heart. Something's working your heart. And that's just true. And so just really appreciate, really appreciate yourself for having the courage to open to, to recognize something's on my heart. Something's, something's turning here. There's some ouch that's happened. It's looking for some resolutions, looking for some release. And there's an intelligence to that. That you're an innately intelligent human being. And that the essence of what is being asked for here is love. The essence of what's being asked for here is love. And it's an act of courage to recognize it in order to begin the process of bringing kindness and tenderness and compassion towards this ouch. Even if it's so murky and so complicated you can't see your way through it yet. That's an act of care to recognize it even for just a few moments. So the second step is now 
not for two days, not for even an hour, just for the next few minutes, you are going to practice allowing what you've recognized to impact you. You're going to invite allowing yourself to open to and be impacted by this particular ouch. And a great mantra is like, what else? What else? What else? Just keep inviting. Yeah, tell me more. What else? Tell me more. In this process, tears are so welcome. Tears are so welcome. So just really relaxing the jaw, opening the mouth. You also, if you're not crying, that's welcome too. It's not like you need to cry. Don't feel pressure. It's just whatever is emerging. Trust the intelligence of your being. That's exactly what needs to happen in order to just release and open. For some, when we start to recognize and allow, there's a sense of numbness a sense of like, kind of like a kind of stunted stillness. It's not a stillness with motion. It's like a numbness. So you just be like numb. For others, it's like intense body sensation. So just noticing, opening, allowing. There's no wrong experience. There's just what's unfolding right now. And then starting to investigate, like where do you feel this most in the body? Where do you feel it most in the body? And if it's intense and you don't want, it doesn't feel wise to intensify it, feel the outskirts of it. If it's more like you want to kind of understand it more deeply, go right to the center of where it's at in the body. Like find exactly where it is, place your hand there and drop the consciousness right into the center and just rest there, settle there, open there. So what are the body sensations? Is it warm, cool, pulsing, tingling? What is its emotional tone? Fear, numb, sad, angry, hurt, shame, confused are there cultural factors at play and you wouldn't like look for these you just drop the question and just let reality just 
open? Like, are there cultural factors at play here? Are there institutional factors at play here? It might be the first time you're ever asking this question, so just asking the question has an impact in your mind. Don't search. Just allow the question to just live in you. You could be in the grocery store two days from now and get an answer. doesn't need to be right now. What about yourself or reality do you believe from the point of view of these body sensations? What about yourself or what about reality do you believe from the point of view of this pain or this body sensation or this situation? What do you personally believe about yourself? Or what do you believe about reality? And again, don't search. Something just might emerge from the depths and know it, see it, recognize it, open to it. And then just, is there any sense of disidentification? Is there any sense of care or nourishment or kindness that arises in this process? Is there a view that you saw that brings some like relief or insight? Or is there a breath that goes into the body sensations and it feels just like it's not alone? Is there any kind of nourishment? And if no, you just know that. It's fine. But just know it. Like, oh, this one is sticky. There's no, I'm not even getting going from 80 to 78. (laughs) Just being with this actually increases it. And that's information. And then you can keep going if you would like or you can dissolve this, like it might naturally let go or you can dissolve the process. So just invite this whole process to dissolve into white light. You just like have everything just dissolve into white light. Invite the whole thing just to dissolve into white light, feel into your body. And then feeling back into your motivation, what brought you here? If you're going and it's like juicy, keep going. But if it, 
just going back to the sincerity of your motivation. Feeling the goodness of that. And then again, opening out to space. Like feel the space all around you. The beauty of the land. The support of all the staff at Spirit Rock who work pretty tirelessly to support these programs that joyfully and tirelessly are, have served these conditions for us to be here. I was feeling the support, the care. And then remembering your circle. Thanking them. This is funny because um, the uh, there was a communication misunderstanding. So normally when I teach, there's like Kleenex boxes everywhere. <laughs> but today we didn't, so we should just pass this around. <laughs> yeah, if people need them, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone want to comment on the process? Anything that happened or questions? Yeah, great. with the two managers right? mm-hmm. and um, I'm thinking about what perspective the um, the manager who you were talking to yeah who was non-white yeah um, and how do you from that perspective investigate and convince say more Investigate and convince, what do you mean? So when, when you say there's a situation and you recognize it and you allow yeah. you know, for your thoughts to come in. Yeah. Um, how is it different if the world around you is different? Okay, can you give me an example? Is there something in your life that's happening that we could... Um, I can give you many examples. I've felt this again and again. Um, for example, at work, yeah, um, people have a lower expectation, I think, of me than what I can do. Yeah, um, and when they see that I can do more, they're first surprised and encouraging, 
and then threatened. <laughs> I knew that was the word that was coming next. Right? Uh, because it's like, oh, you're supposed to be in that box. Um, they'll be like, where did you learn to speak English? Oh, my God. Yeah. Or, you know, it, it's okay, but... It's What's the like impact? Skype. What do you notice in your body when you hear, when you think about a comment like that? Yeah. What do you notice in your body? Well, I feel like, oh, your English is great, too, you know? Yeah. I don't... <laughs> yeah. But... Because I, I learned English when I was one, so I don't yeah. think of it, you know, so... Of course. So that, but that's the disconnect. It's the perspective is so different. Yeah. And how much... When you go through this, you're going through your own perspective. You're only limited by your own perspective. And... Sometimes the disconnect is so much that I don't understand totally the situation. It's yeah. like if I were your Uber driver. Yeah. You know, I I could have a great great conversation with you, but I couldn't understand yeah why you wouldn't ask me if I were from Minnesota where you're from. Exactly. It doesn't it's it isn't logical. Like there's yeah. nothing logical. Yeah. The people who have like actual like who belong on this land are the indigenous people of these lands right. you know what i mean so that there's a view that people who are white belong here there's nothing logical that supports that so your 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 confusion is is really important because it's that like that is the that's the actual appropriate response does that make sense like you being confused mm. do you see what i'm like that's like that's a very valid response to the belief that white people belong on land that was like stewarded by indigenous people for years you know millennia hundreds and hundreds of years so that you feel confused by that is thank you thank you for being confused because that is an inherently not in, in the way that i've been conditioned i've had to learn that actually had to study to know what you know just with your conditioning. So your conditioning has the perspective that can lead us forward. I have to unlearn. Mm. So for, for you, it's like you're in, in this particular situation, it's like you recognize that this is confusing and you actually know you're confused and you allow the, conf like, oh, Wow, that's that's a, that's an interesting question. Given that you know, I don't know what I don't know exactly how you choose to respond based on the conditions and what you want to do in any situation based on so much. But but the recognize allow piece is like you really uh, owning your confusion. You know, like yeah, I I always think, well, why don't we celebrate this? Celebrate what? You know, the fact that. You know, let's say at work, I'm doing what you expect me to do. Let's be happy about it because it's getting done. Yeah, no. Uh, um, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. But. But there's fear. Yeah. Fear. Someone different who doesn't have the same perspective that is, whatever, is doing it. And that difference, right, causes a sense of fear. So do you mean the fear is bigger if the person looks different? Like if I were a, a white man, would they not fear? 
what do you see there? What's the, what do you, is there any kind of insight or any? Um, I, I think maybe something about it's a moment of receiving and like surrendering in a deeper, like letting, well, letting go again, but like, yeah, like letting the actual change piece happen rather than just like being in the one sort of like monochromatic thing that's happening. It's like then this other element asks for transformation and that, so it's actually fights back more. Yeah. And it also could be that you're, you're, because some of us have different patterns. Like some of us have a pattern to like go towards intensity and then others of us have a pattern to shy away from intensity. So as we open more to the immediacy and the flow of life, there could be more intensity that arises if your tendency is to shy away from intensity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And if your tendency is to kind of go more towards intensity, it's like these more subtle energies start to come, you know, it's like a more subtle process. So it could be that too, is that you open, you're going to feel more like life moving through you, mm-hmm. which at first can be a little just, just disorienting. Mm-hmm. In some way, yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. Okay, I don't want to push anyone, but I also like. Is there anyone that just it would help to say something before we take a walk? Okay, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, she's getting it. She's bringing it to you. This is not easy. <laughs> At all. Um, and I'm not even sure it relates to the topic of today. It doesn't... I don't know if it relates I think there's. I think we want to trust whatever unfolds is relating. As long as you feel like it's not... If you think about the multicultural agreements and what you're sharing is not going to have any impact that otherwise... And then it's fine to share, yeah. Okay. Um... So I'm in this place where I feel like I'm trying to know I belong and find my power. And um, and I I ran into something today that um, has come up for me before and I recognize it. Ooh, this is I've <laughs> this is kind of hard. So just pausing because you can feel it might be shame. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but that sense of ooh, ooh, like almost getting pinged when you see something. So mm-hmm. what it means is that something that maybe previously it wasn't safe to recognize is now emerging, mm-hmm. and we want to be really tender with those things because it means that a shift in view is going to take place. Like a shift, like a kind of central way that we see ourselves or we see reality is taking place. And so it's just like a time to slow down, take care of yourself. And also, if it feels like it would be supportive, share it because an antidote to shame is um, transparency in places where it's safe. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying it. Great. Um, I recognize that I, with teachers and people and doctors and people I look up to, I repeatedly feel like I get feedback that I'm not liked. That 
something in me is too needy or too grabby or too... And um, it happened today. And um, I don't want to go through life like this anymore. It's so painful. And um, so that's why I'm putting it out there. Because it does make me feel really a lot a lot of shame. Oh my God. <laughs> um, like I'm this needy, grabby something. And it was so sweet, the circle of love thing, you know. I um, I work with little kids, really two, three, four. And I, I let them be in the circle too, and that was so sweet. <laughs> I never think like that. It's like, what can I give you? What can I give you? How can I take care of you? And anyway, thank you for letting me say this, everybody. <laughs> it's not easy. I think, I think one of the ways that it seems that reality unfolds is that we keep getting, that the way we perceive reality keeps reinforcing the way we perceive reality until we have the courage to recognize it. You know, so what I didn't share in this story is that, I don't want to get into the details, it's too close to get into the details, but to it happening, but what happened was I, I had a certain view about what was happening in this situation, I found out the situation, I asked five questions, and based on those five questions, I made an assumption about what was happening. The situation would have been painful no matter what, but what was really painful was this particular story that I wove about the situation. So two and a half weeks later, I was in contact with the person who I was communicating with. After a few days of connecting, we had a conversation about the situation. It turns out the story that I made up after five questions wasn't true. (laughs) You think? (laughs) That had never occurred to me. (laughs) And in that moment, like, the whole thing fell away. Like, I was like, what? That isn't true? And the person was like, no. And I was like, but... And then I went back and I'm like, wow, I just asked five questions in a reactive moment and made up a whole story that wasn't based in reality and believed it for two and a half weeks and suffered a lot for it. I mean, I needed to suffer clearly for that. You know, my system needed to believe clearly and needed to believe it and suffer that. It was something I was deeply, clearly, I was deeply afraid of that outcome and I believed it for two and a half weeks and suffered under it and am stronger for it. I don't want to do that again. You know what I mean? So it's just this exact, like that's the purification of view, the change in view. It's like, oh, well, what if, you know, I'm lovable. You know, just what if. So... Yeah, to be able to see this this core question of what do I believe about myself or reality? 
and what do I believe about the world? What stories? What what stories are the world? What is what stories is the world telling me that I'm believing that I'm not critically evaluating? And what are the implications of taking those at face value instead of investigating them? It's like core to what we're doing as Dharma practitioners. So with that, let's take a 30-minute walk. Yeah? And this time I'm going to invite you to wander. Go follow your, like, animal. You have 45 minutes. Um, I would invite you to, like, go to the bathroom or get tea on the front or back end. And just go wherever you want to go. Give yourself full permission it could mean you lay on the floor and sleep in here. It could mean you go hike up. It could mean you, I don't know, anything. It could mean anything. Just, you know, honor spirit rocks agreements. Like, don't go up to the residential hall. But just follow your nose, follow your gut. And um, uh, wandering is, there's a lot of research that wandering supports intuition. So we've spent the morning in structure, like like a strong structure, like settle, contain. And then we spent some of the afternoon kind of delving in, and now we're just, we're opening up. Like, just go wander, go where your body goes, soothe yourself, let the sun touch you, and then we'll all come back here at 4 o'clock. And if you could ring the bell at 10 to 4 so the bell will ring and you'll have a good spacious 10 minutes to go to the bathroom, get a cup of tea and come back in here. Okay, thanks for your practice.
All right, so let's sit together for a few minutes and practice the settling after the wandering and the openness. Let's practice the settling and relaxing back again. And let's start with a tenderness practice. So I'm just bringing attention to just this sense of care for yourself. Darling, I care. You could visualize this circle of support or just use the phrases, or if the feeling of care is just present, just bask in the feeling of care, your own good heart, your own good nature. And then I invite you to answer the question, just inquire with the question, what understanding arose for me today? Or what what understanding arose for me today? Or what what um what uh 
what what happened that benefited my life today? And in what way was my life benefited by coming here today? Just sit with that question and see what emerges. In what way was my life benefited by coming here today? Maybe a few thoughts or many thoughts. Just keep asking the question, in what way was my life benefited by coming here today? And then I'm going to ask you to do something and I'm pretty certain you'll have one of three reactions. I'm going to ask you to do something and you'll either be excited about it, like feel pleasant about it, you'll feel aversion, like you don't want to do it, or you'll be spacing out and not even really knowing what I'm saying because you're thinking about something else or something else is going on. So what I'm going to invite you to do is turn towards two other people near you and create a circle. And we're going to do a mindful listening practice where two people listen and the other person shares just to the degree that you're open to, you don't, please don't overshare, but also it can be very powerful to tell a little bit of the um, tale or the narrative of what unfolded for you today. Um, One of the ways we know ourselves is in the interpersonal. We spent the majority of today, almost all today, talking about the systemic and the interpersonal and the intrapersonal, but in a intrapersonal process. So now we're opening up to be witnessed and also to witness others in the question, how did today benefit me or what unfolded for me today? So even if you feel aversion, I encourage you, based on my 20 years of facilitation and leading things like this, to have a, a, a little faith in me and <laughs> and do this with me and if your wisdom is really like this isn't for you you trust yourself and and you don't have to do it you could journal um stay in the room and just journal the the question yourself okay so i'll guide you but if you could organize yourself i know there's one person back there that would need to come forward or maybe we could go to him um if you could organize yourself in groups of three two or three You sure? Okay, great. You want some paper or pound of paper? You're good. Okay. All right, so I'll guide this pretty, um, I'll guide it in a way where we'll, I'll, each person will have two to three minutes. Um, and I'd invite the person closest to where we've seen the majority of the turkeys to go first and then to go clockwise. Um, and for this process, you can answer directly the question that I've asked, like how was today beneficial or what what unfolded for you today, or you could just also just free flow. You can share anything you want, really. Um, just keep in mind the multicultural agreements and a commitment to non-harm. Um, and I'll 
ring a bell, the person closest to the door, unless you're a fierce negotiator and you can try to negotiate someone else to go first, (laughs) the person closest to the window goes first, you share the other people, just listen, I'll ring a bell, invite you to pause, and then the next person shares, ring a bell, invite you to pause, next person shares. So we ask for no crosstalk during this process at all, just mindful listening, but at the end there will be a time to talk about impact. Like, how did people's shares impact you um, in a positive way or any mirror, positive mirrors that you have for them as well? And I'll talk about what those two things are. But we have groups of three, which is like, this is pretty remarkable that every single group is a group of three. <laughs> Something I love about that. <laughs> okay. So, uh, close your eyes. And just notice what's happening in your body after a day of being mostly in your own process. What's it like to be with someone else? And really inviting and allowing whatever the reaction is or whatever the response is. That it's okay to feel excited. It's okay to feel nervous. It's okay. Oftentimes there's a lot socially that we don't even recognize is happening. And so this is an opportunity to observe yourself socially. And also an opportunity to do that. The practice that we talked about um, in the beginning where keeping 80% of your attention in your body, 20% of the attention on the person. Believe me, people love that because they feel space to speak. So first person, begin.
Finish up your thought. You don't need to quickly end it. Just take your time to finish it. And then um, when you're done, go ahead and close your eyes as a group. And while the content that comes out is important, we often emphasize content. So the invitation is to include more and more in our awareness with this practice. So including how your body feels post-listening or how your body feels post-speaking. Including how were you impacted by what you shared or what the other person shared. How is your heart? How is your body? What's the emotional tone? How much access do you have to the space in the room right now? And then next person, begin.
So as some people are finishing up, taking the space you absolutely need to finish, and other people just feeling into what it's like to speak, what it's like to listen... And slowing it down in order to digest. Tara Brock, one of my teachers, calls the sacred pause. We take these sacred pauses. So we are experiencing so much, especially under these systemic and oppressive forces that are fed to us as truth. So we're digesting so much on a daily basis that our little nervous systems were never meant to digest. I'm just taking these pauses. And it's digesting both the good, the pleasant, the, the nourishing, really taking the nourishment in. So important. Next person, begin. I'm going to give you another minute. I'm going to give you more time, but...
One thing that is so nourishing for me is that no matter what systems I'm in or whatever is unfolding, that the the experience of the intersection of love and awareness of um, the, the true sense, this essence of myself has never been harmed. It's never been touched. Patriarchy can't touch the deepest part of me. It impacts all sorts of other parts of me, but it cannot touch my essence. It doesn't get to play with that game. And there's a power in that. There's a way that we can walk through the world, both in the world, but not of the world. And that makes us much more fearless to be able to engage these forces, dance with these forces, not fall prey to the divide and conquer strategy that these forces prey on that haven't been internalized within ourselves, but open to something much more vast and much more possible, much more vast and much more open that creates all sorts of creative possibilities. So I'm inviting you, the group of four, for Aaron, please continue, and for the group of three, to just mirror back, like, did someone share something that impacted you? How were you impacted? Were you moved by something someone shared? How were you moved? Um, is there an image that came to you that you'd like to share? Just anything that you feel like would be helpful or for the, another person, but not like fixing, not like if they have a back pain, you're like, oh, I have a chiropractor for you. Like more um, impact, like how you were impacted by them in a positive way. We'll have a couple minutes for that. And just free form.
<laughs> I should have got you all talking sooner. <laughs> So if you haven't told each other your names, you could go ahead and do that. <laughs> and then come back into the circle and thank your partners in any way that feels fit for you. Bowing, thank yous, anything that feels good. as this group is finishing up is there anything that was shared that you feel like a quick hit like basically like a quick what we call mudita like sympathetic joy like you had I've heard I heard some of you saying some things I felt a lot of joy in what you were saying any quick mudita hits any quick joy hits of insights that you had that you think would be useful for us to know or anything that happened You'll figure it out. <laughs> Anyone? Can it? Yes, please. Yeah, love voices that haven't spoken yet to be the ones that speak. Uh, so um, what I was sharing with my group was what one of the things I'm taking away from today is that a lot of the Racism, um, intentional and unintentional. Some of it is not, it's just from people that are not conscious. Yeah. And even though I take responsibility for how I respond to anything and everything, um, but I, you know, when you started the day and you talked about how, you know, you just, you know, you, you train yourself to say, well, that's okay, or I'm not going to get upset about that, or I'm going to be the bigger person, like all those conversations that we've trained ourselves in. Um, can still take away from our ability to be conscious ourselves by saying, you know, that was kind of nasty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and unnecessary, et cetera. So, so I walked away with, you know, like some space around, you know, people that are trying and, yeah. and really do have a desire to communicate, um, you know, consciously and also my, giving my space to my own reaction. Like I can still say, no, I don't. Yeah. No, that just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And really, like, in my, you taking the time to really feel the impact, that's going to serve the whole. You know, and you having that extra resource time, the extra, you know, to the degree that you're able, because that digestive process in you means you're going to have more clarity and power to say the thing, you know, if you choose to say it, or, you know, to be the wit. Like, the more you're in your own, like, full integrity, which means that isn't okay, or I see the cruelty in that. You know, you don't have to, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean um, non-compassion. Like, compassion sees clearly. The more you hold that line, the world's going to shift around you. 
but it takes that digestion and it's not for the faint of heart you know so my just prayer is that the resources for you to digest can you know that you are supported in your digestion process and thank you for that yeah yeah anyone else who hasn't spoken thank you Ernie um, I just want to say one thing uh, to kind of put it concisely. It's important for people to feel accepted. Thank you. Can I put you on the spot? Me? Yeah. I, you were, I could hear what you were sharing and I would love to have some of the things that you were sharing in your group shared if you felt willing. But if you don't feel willing, then I don't, you don't need to. But if you felt like, me hearing what you were sharing, I was like, oh, I would love for what you, the insights that you were coming to, to be shared. Okay. <laughs> Do you feel open to that? Um, yeah. Yeah, just barely, but with your... Okay. Yeah, if you're not, you say no. I can, I, I love a good no, believe me. That, that makes me feel safe. But, uh, yeah, but if you're willing, yeah. So what I was saying was um, that um, I'm a white man. I'm even a wasp, you know, like I'm at, at the, in the belly of the beast, so to speak. And, um, and I'm involved in social change work. And I'm, I'm starting a, a new direction, which is probably going to be... Um, so I'll probably be interacting with a lot of social change people. And um, because I, so uh, the, the, what I've realized, um, I mean, not that I didn't know it, but not in the same way, is that I don't know what it's like to be oppressed. I haven't been. Um, and so I, you know, at the, at the deep level, when, when I'm around people who have suffered from that and are talking about it, I can't empathize in the way, you know, that I could if I were. And um, what I realized, the other thing I realized is that because of that, um, I'm scared. I'm actually scared of being attacked or judged, uh, you know, especially, I mean, not in here, but in social change groups, I know that can happen. And so I'm afraid, I'm, and I don't even know if it's reasonable to be afraid, but that's, that's not the issue. The issue is I'm afraid. I'm afraid of getting attacked or judged, saying the wrong thing and that happening. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for speaking those pieces. And um, can I give you a task? Okay. Yeah. Um, I would invite you to um, read the multicultural agreement around intent and impact each day for like the next year. The one around like notice intent versus. Uh, and I would invite you anytime a, a woman, a person of color, someone who has a disability, someone who has a medical condition, anyone starts to share with you their experience, you go into deep listening mode and say, and what else? Oh, what else? Oh, how, oh that's how it is? Like just that you, oh, that's the thing I didn't say. That's what I came to. Yeah. Is that I don't have to, I mean, well, it would be better yeah. if I had the experience, but... And, and but I, actually, no, no, it, I, I am glad that there are people in the world that don't have to, that haven't had to deal with as, as much oppression as, like, there's no, like, your positionality 
is just your positionality. Like, your capacity to empathize, yes, I might have more capacity to empathize in the beginning because I had come from blue collar, but don't undermine your capacity to empathize through deep listening. Yeah, and, and I'm good at that. I mean, that's what I do professionally. I'm a great. therapist, you know. So Yeah, yeah. great. I can do that, and I will. Good. And, and I, uh, I enjoy doing that. Good. Fabulous. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm happy. And I think the other insight around the fear that there is the, there is the possibility, the likely possibility, that um, if you think of 7,000 years of patriarchy, then you think of how many thousand years of uh, racism, then you think of how many thousand years of um, uh, the genocide of indigenous people, and how many, th- like all the things that have happened. So when a person from an oppressed community that I don't hold that same oppression judges me, gets mad at, you know, gets, I'm experiencing as mad, maybe they're not, but I'm experiencing that. I see it as that system offering me to hold some of the burden. Do you see what, like, I'm getting to hold now some of what they've had to hold. Mm -hmm. And so then I go into a deep, like a deeper listening mode. It's like, okay, this really caused a lot of, like, this was really hard. This was really hard. This was really hard. This was really hard. Just keep deeper. And I'm not always great at it. I'm not, but that when, um, when the divide and conquer, you know, that when that divide and conquer strategy starts to happen in the oppressed person and I'm in the position of power, that's more data for me about how painful it is to be oppressed. Does that make sense? And it's an opportunity for me to bear some of the burden. Mm. The emotional burden. Yeah. Yeah. And that, we can only do so much of that. You know, we have to always take care of ourselves. And if we do too much of that, then we can't serve. And, you know, so you have to be, you have to be using discernment. But in general, that has been really helpful. And I got that from a woman named Robin D'Angelo, who wrote a paper called White Fragility. And if you don't know her work, her work is really... I'm instructive, and I've been told it's really instructive for people of color. I don't know that, but I've been told by many people of color that reading about Robin's analysis, she's a blue-collar woman, um, PhD sociologist, reading her description of whiteness helps them understand white people <laughs> and the systems of oppression that they're under. So, um, so I recommend her work to anyone that wants to read it. But thank you so much for, for sharing. Any, yeah. Anyone else want to share anything? It's a book and also talks and all sorts of, yeah, there's talks and a books and there's a paper. There's actually a paper that's shorter. I didn't ever, yeah. Brief, quick hit. Okay, so um, I'm just curious, post the end of your talk, maybe not now that <laughs> I'm talking about white fragility, but post the end of talking, um, what did you, what heart qualities did you notice? And just pop them popcorn style. Or what heart qualities are you noticing right now at the end of the day? Tender? Joyful? Understanding? Spacious? Peace? Curious, support, raw. Oh, I like that one. Ease, Ease. 
admiration. Yeah, gratitude. I mean, isn't it wild that we can spend a day talking about pain and systemic forces of oppression and walk away feeling ease, joy, gratitude, tender, raw? I love that. Like, that's the world I want to live in. I want to live in a world where, we're t- like, where we feel what we call in this community Vipassana joy. It's like when we touch even the hard things, the heart opens in this tender way that feels good, even though it's raw. Like there's a, it's real, right? It's, there's, there's, there's a handle. It's real. So, um, yeah, I just really um, hope that you, that you continue to um, like follow, if there are any threads here, any curiosities or any practices that, um, felt inspiring for you that you have the conditions and the support to keep going with them and follow those threads and that you trust yourselves like the fact that you've come here just means you have I mean everyone has a good heart but a lot of our hearts are clouded um, because of the situations that we're in um, so to be born with a good heart and to be born with the privilege of what it means to walk through doors like these. Like it takes a lot of resources, like a lot of privilege that each of us has received in order to just make it through this door. Um, So to walk with the privilege and um, the knowledge of the Dharma, my prayer is that, um, yeah, that you continue to use this for the benefit of all beings and, and don't believe... dominant paradigms challenge them at every corner and find your allies to do it with you and have a ton of fucking fun doing it (laughs) and I co-lead a meditation community in Berkeley right now we're mostly we're all women but there is a movement to start um, including men and I'm also part of a community called um, Mobilization for Nonviolent Global Liberation, which is led by Mickey Kashtan, which is one of the people, is like my main teachers when it comes to um, systems. And I highly recommend her work. She has podcasts on overcoming patriarchy and um, understanding money and um, facing privilege. And she has a retreat uh, that she's doing in October where several, myself, my co-teacher, several of our community is going to be, um, as well as some of the people that are interested in working with men. So if you're interested in this work, like the work around social justice that's also deeply rooted in compassion, it's not exactly Dharma, but there'll be like a lot of us Dharma people there because my community is working really closely with her. looks like we're going to. So um, Mickey Kashtan. K, yeah, K-A-S-H-T-A-N. I highly recommend coming to the retreat in August with us there. If what I'm teaching is inspiring, I think that will resonate for you too. Um, it's mid-August, like August 14th to the 18th or something like this. August 14th to the 21st. Um, and it's on financial co-responsibility, so... Um, Room and board is four hundred dollars, 
Um, and I think the community could cover that if finances is a barrier for you, the um, Bay MVC. Um, and if you can cover the 400 for sure, then the rest of it is on financial co-responsibility. So there's no commitment to paying anything more if that's beyond your means. And I'm pretty sure the community could find resources if you wanted to come and didn't have the 400 for room and board. Um, but you would need to reach out, which is a barrier, um, I recognize. All right, so let's put our hands together if you're comfortable doing that. If not, just uh, go into the sincerity of your own heart. And what we do here is we recognize that we're actually connected to all beings and all places and all times and spaces and that um, there is a intelligence and knowing uh, a wisdom that's much greater than ourselves. And we... Uh, intend to align with that wisdom, with this prajna wisdom, and align deeply within ourselves and then offer that wisdom and that compassion to all beings that we represent as just ourselves. So recognizing our connection with all beings, we offer the benefit of today to all beings everywhere in all directions, seen and unseen, throughout all time. May all beings everywhere have peace, be free from oppressive forces, and live joyfully. Namaste. And I took us a little over because I'm post-retreat and my capacity to hold time is not as good as it used to be, so please forgive me. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.